Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, welcome back to our virtual weekend worship gatherings. Uh, we're almost finished up here with our Illuminate series in 1 John. We're going to finish up here the back end of, uh, of what we're going to read through chapter 4 today. And I, I just want to encourage you, hopefully, you know, in the midst of this series, you really are taking the words and the heart of, of really what we're reading uh, from John and really applying it to your life. I think Right now, it's so critical uh, that we had planned to do this book anyway uh, and walk through it this summer as a church. And how fitting is it to walk through it during the coronavirus and, and even some of the, the current events right now that are happening in the world around us that we really examine what does it mean for God to be love and for God to be light in our lives and then as the church carriers of that moving forward. And so... You know, in the beginning of the series, we talked about three main areas that John was challenging us to really examine uh, our beliefs, our behaviors, and our belonging, uh, the community that we're a part of, the ways that we act, and the thoughts that we have. And throughout this letter, again, as we've highlighted numerous times, there's really nothing that really seems to stick out as that's incredibly profound but however in this part of chapter four there are some really deep theological statements that are made that we carry with us as believers and as christ followers have probably heard numerous times before and so uh, a little bit different than maybe how i've done other sermons in this series or maybe in the past i'm just going to read a heavy bit of the scripture tonight then i want us to kind of go back and just kind of take a the overwhelming portion of what john's saying and um and then kind of parse it you know one one piece at a time so let's read the, this together starting in verse seven out of the new living translation this is what john says he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not know love, sorry, for anyone who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. 
God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. I love this passage tonight that we get to kind of explore together. Uh, I, I love that we get a chance to really dive in and unpack these words together because it's really, in my opinion, it's been building for this moment in this letter. There's been so many amazing building blocks and foundational pivots that, that, that John has been writing and calling us to. And he's finally kind of putting it all in a very concise, very direct way. And as you kind of look back and examine on some of the key parts of this, this is where we see very blatantly that God is love. And John says that if we as believers want to be known as Christ followers, that the world will see love in us because those who love are known by God. They have God living inside of them and they live in God, which is a concept that we don't really spend a lot of time talking about, but there is this transference of really us in God and God in us. That's part of the transformation that we speak about so often that we absolutely want to continue every day as the daily fight as it is, we want to fight and grow and, and encourage and, and continue to evolve as looking more and more like Jesus and less and less like ourselves. Uh, there's a, a theologian by the name of John Stott who said it this way, kind of in, in reference to this passage we read uh, just a moment ago. He said, it's almost like someone who claims to have intimate knowledge of a foreigner, but yet never learned how to speak their native tongue. I, I love that analogy from John Stott, it speaks so vividly of this idea of it's it's like we want to claim to know love, but yet we never learn how to actually do it. And there's a disconnect. And I think that disconnect is what the world sees so often on display from us. And I, I'm a big believer that we are we are ambassadors of that change. That we as the church have an opportunity to not just stand in moments where we can feel defeated, but the church is all around us and it's exciting and encouraging to see there are acts and examples of love all over the place. A lot of times I can be critical of the church. I can be critical uh, of the way in which people conduct themselves within the church. And I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, I have my own baggage, my own scars, my own wounds. And I have also my strong beliefs and opinions about how as Christ followers, as the body of Christ, we are called to go into this world to, to love people well. And when I don't see that on display, it really, it, it really rubs me. And that's the, the prophet in me that wants to speak up about it. And, but any good prophet knows there's also uh, the moments where God sends us. And there's also moments where God's just working on your own heart. And I think for me, I've had to learn that balance, and sometimes I don't do it well, to be honest. But in this passage, especially, this idea of that wherever love goes, it eradicates fear. Uh, I, I just I can't 
overstate enough that idea of learning how to speak the language of love. There's a pretty well-known, uh, you know, mural, if you will. It's the Michelangelo mural in the Sistine Chapel. It's this beautiful, um, awe-inspiring, uh, mouth-dropping masterpiece. You walk in and you you look at it and you begin to think, man, I, how do I just take it all in? And even though I've never seen it in person, seeing images and seeing, you know, large uh, replicas of the Sistine Chapel, I think of that moment where God touches Adam's hand and just how it just this love begins to permeate from God to Adam in the depiction that Michelangelo gives us. And that, that image sticks with me in this particular passage because there's this transference of love that God is giving us. And, and as we go, it is all inspiring. It is mouth dropping. You, you can't take it all in. It, you just stand in awe. And that's the kind of love that I think about in this passage. And yes, John speaks about some really strong theological principles about God being love. Think about that. John's not just describing that God is loving or that love comes from God. John is saying the very nature of who God is, is love. And he goes one step further to speak about us as believers, carriers of God, that that's the same way we should be known. I mean, think about some of the people that we know in our lives that are fellow believers, right? I mean, would you trade that person's first name for God in that statement that so-and-so is love? And as much as I feel like that's an impossible task. I think it's exactly what John is calling us to. And there's enormous grace and enormous mercy for us as we continue to pursue that type of love, that supernatural love that we looked at last week. But I think for all of us, the command to love has been modeled so well for us in the life and the presence of Jesus throughout the Gospels. As we read about the early church and the New Testament, they were simply just doing as they saw and had heard Jesus did. When they would show up to a place, they would bring peace and they would bring love. And if that place wasn't ready to receive it, they would wipe the dust off their feet, as Jesus said, and they would move on. And an understanding that being a carrier of love is the best message of the gospel that we have. And so often we get it backwards where we think we have carriers of the truth. And as a result, once we share the truth, then all of a sudden we'll start to love them because we've done our part. And it's not an either or, and it's not a one step, two step. It's a, they go hand in hand together that we speak truth in love and that we go in love. And while we're there, we're, we're speaking truth. And these two things are absolutely formed through our actions and our words. I think about uh, early church fathers who would speak about, you know, proclaiming the gospel often or speaking the gospel often, but using words only when necessary. And, and the gospel is centered around love, right? We read it in this passage that, that God would send his son Jesus 
to pay the ultimate price so that we would know what love is. We would understand who God is as a carrier of love. The very being of God is love so that we as believers would take that love and the spirit of love living in us to the rest of the world. It all centers around this idea of love. And because in our culture today, love is such an overstated word, every time I say it, even in this video, it loses its oomph. It loses its, its meaning. And so much of what I'm hoping that you hear and read through this letter and through this passage tonight is already lost because of how overstated and overused and watered down love is. Love has so many different variations and words in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And in the English, we just have this word love and we use it for all sorts of things. Like I love tacos and I love my spouse or I love my daughter and I love to sit at the beach. And these all these things just, just, just share the same word, but they don't have the same meaning. And the depth of love that we read about in John, in 1 John chapter 3, is the deepest form of love that he can communicate in any language. This idea that love is something that is transcendent. This idea of love that is something that overwhelms someone. That as believers, as we, as we go forward, we, we see Jesus through our actions, right? It's not a profound thought that people would see Jesus through us. And the way in which John communicates in this letter to us is pretty simple. We know how much God loves us and we put our trust in that love. And then from that, we then can go and share that love with others. The world is full of people who are scared right now, whether it's because of coronavirus, whether it's because of prejudice and racism right now, whether it's because of financial burdens, whether it's because of tension in their relationships, there is absolutely fear that's lurking all around. And some of us are fully aware of it, and some of us try and pretend like it doesn't exist. I know in my life, I am at times very guilty of being paralyzed by fears I have in my life. Fears of being hurt, fears of, of being honest, fears of really being known fully. And I think part of that absolutely keeps me paralyzed from being fully who I am. And not in some way of, of being this fully evolved person, but in learning how to love well and become more like Jesus these fears end up paralyzing us when in reality, such love has no fear. Perfect love cast out fear. God is love. These statements that, again, seem to become numb in our hearts and minds at times are the very words that I want to challenge you with tonight or today, wherever you're watching this that these words would allow your heart to really be spoken to. That as you kind of peel back and look at this, you're reminded that God absolutely sent Jesus for a reason. That the cross is not the only one. There's a life that Jesus pursued and lived. 
that is meant to be modeled. And although, as we read before, no greater love, right, do we know than Jesus laying down his life for us. There's the great love that Jesus gives us of sacrificing himself. And that same sacrifice is placed before us of learning how to supernaturally love people well. And as hard as it is, the truth of the matter is we have this impossible task placed in front of us. If you call yourself a believer of God, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then we should be able to insert your name into that statement and say, you are love in the same way that God is love. The very fibers and makeup of your being are love. It doesn't mean you get it right. It obviously doesn't mean that you're always going to like everyone. It doesn't mean that you are going to be best friends with everyone. It doesn't mean that you remove boundaries and safe uh, structures and guardrails that you've put in your life to protect you from people who have done you harm in the past. Love means continuing to forgive sometimes in those hard moments. Love means continuing to pray for those people who have hurt you. Love means continuing to wish them well. Love means in your heart, you hope the best for them. Sometimes that's the greatest form of love you can give is releasing the hurt releasing the wounds and forgiving isn't always forgetting sometimes love allows us to remember and to love well means learning how to love in difficult times jesus doesn't invite us to be reckless but he absolutely calls us to love with full abandonment to give our lives as a living sacrifice to pursue love at all costs. And when we do that, the world begins to be flipped upside down in this backwards way of, of the kingdom of heaven. And as we begin to pray the Lord's Prayer, that God, your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven, it's done as we show love to each other. It's done as we bring supernatural love in moments where love really has no business being. But when we show up with love, even when it doesn't make sense, the kingdom of heaven is brought to earth. Transgressions are, for, are forgiven. Life is brought. The final thought I want to leave you with tonight is simply that. This, this chapter four, this, this part of love that John is talking about is that this type of love is life-giving. This, this love that we carry is absolutely designed to breathe life and oxygen into the room in every way, shape, or form. And when we bring that type of life as carriers of love, it illuminates God's presence in ways that you or I could never have done on our own. No truthful statement will ever illuminate a room if it's not completely founded in love. No moment of compassion 
will be sustainable and not hollowed out if it's not founded in depths of love. No spoken words of forgiveness will outlive that conversation if there's not love in your heart. Love that comes from God, that is God, is always life-giving. And how amazing and how awesome is it that God places that challenge in front of you and I to go and bring life into moments where it seems like there's only death. Where God says, bring love in moments that seem only filled with fear or hatred. And go and bring light in moments that seem like only darkness exists. We have the tools placed in our hands through the power of the Holy Spirit as carriers of the good news, weaponized with the power of love to go and to bring life, to see dead people raised, to see dead souls raised, to see dead relationships raised back to life. You have an opportunity and the challenge is placed before you to bring life and love as a carrier of the good news. Let me leave you with a few questions as you go and discuss these in your missional communities and in your homes this week. As you think about love, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Number two, when we think about this life-giving love that we're describing, what are ways in your life where you have felt that life breathed in you because of a way that someone showed you love? A story, an action, share something with people around you about ways where you have received that life-giving love in a substantial way. And then three, very similar to last week, how can you go and bring life-giving love to a person or to a situation? It doesn't have to be one that is already toxic. It can be one that's already healthy, but how can you go and bring life-giving love into someone's world? Maybe examining their love languages and, and how they want and receive love best. Maybe it's doing something that makes no sense because sometimes love is illogical. Whatever it is for you, I would pray and ask that you would continue to press into that life-giving love. We love you guys. We hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.